All right. We're going to sing a couple of songs tonight about, uh, well, the Holy Spirit. This one is uh, about leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. There is a remind Redeemer. Uh, both songs, they're not in our hymn book, but they'll be on the screen. There is a Redeemer. We've sang that a long time ago. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Oh, for sinners slain. Thank you, oh, my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Let's stand on this last. When I stand in glory I will see his face till I serve my being forever in that holy place thank you oh my father for giving us your son and your spirit till the work on earth is done. Amen. Brother Max, lead us in word of prayer. may be seated. Jesus ascended to heaven, but he said, I will send a comforter. The comforter has come, the Holy Spirit. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever men is found, wherever human hearts
prepared for tonight's message, get out a scrap piece of paper, or if some of you don't have scrap pieces of paper, use a good piece of paper. And I want you, you need to draw three lines down it, two lines, one, two, three, I better count. Um, three, three, two lines will do, two lines down it, for three columns, okay? Label the first one Satan. Label the second one society. Label the third one the Savior. 
the passage of Scripture that we will be using is Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, and I'll read all the way through verse 20. And it's a story that is familiar to you, and it has to do with these very things that I have had you uh, designate Satan, society, and the Savior at the top of your columns. This is what the Word of God says. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, and even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he, Jesus, asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. That's better than some of us are on any good given day, isn't it? There he was, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. So, because of that, they were afraid. Verse 16, and those who saw it told him, how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. 
And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which is uh, a technical term for the ten cities that were over on the east side of the Lake of Galilee. And he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. Why, reckon so, don't you? I mean, man, think about what they just saw. And it was all because of the power of the Lord Jesus. In the background, I want to remind you of something. When it says, then they came to the other side, that means that there was something before this that took place that we need to take note of. And so very briefly, I want to do that in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And so he had his disciples get in a boat on the west side of the Sea of Galilee and travel over across to the east side of Galilee, perhaps as much as midway down the Sea of Galilee. And that is where they landed. There's a place close to there, they say, that fits exactly the, the description of what happened in this place with the tombs and with the slope of the field going down to the sea and, and the mountains around and, and all of that. And so uh, that kind of gives you an idea of where he was. Now, that was on the same day that Jesus had been teaching all day long. In chapter 4, he preaches the parable of the sower, the purpose of parables, the parable of the sower explained, light under a basket, the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus' use of parables and how important it was. And then he comes to this point. And on that day that he had been doing all of that teaching, he says, guys, it's time to climb in a boat and head for the east. And so they do exactly that. Now, it just so happens when they get in the boat and head east, they run into a storm. Jesus is tired. He falls asleep and is on the pillow in the back of the boat. And the disciples are just going frantically crazy. They don't know what to do because here they are in the midst of a storm and it's worse than any apparently that they had ever experienced before. Fishermen who had been on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of storms before and this one was worse than any of those others. And so they woke Jesus up and they said, Don't you care if we're going to perish? So Jesus, with no big hurry, got up, turned to the waves and the wind, and simply spoke to him, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, if you've ever lived close to the sea or a lake 
you know that there is not suddenly a great calm after a storm. Those waves continue to roll in until finally they slow down. But this is making the point that immediately upon Jesus, peace be still. Everything was as flat as it could be. It looked like the Kansas wheat fields. Huh? Okay. So, after that, they came to the other side of the sea. After that, that Jesus had done on that day. So we don't know. Was it the middle of the night when he got to the east side of the sea? Did they sleep on their boat while they waited for the sunrise to come and for them to be able to go and do whatever it was that they needed to do? We don't know. Or did Jesus do some of this miracle in the midst of the dark? I rather think not. Because when I read the story to you, one of the things that it said, when he, the, the Gadarene demoniac, saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now that's not fire, F-I-R-E. You know, it's not a fire. It's, it's from afar, from a distance, that he saw Jesus. And so uh, it must have been in the morning at least, when he saw Jesus and he ran and worshipped him. Well, the result of all of this is that we have the opportunity to see how three different forces affect the life of an individual. We have the opportunity to see if Satan has his hold on us, what we can expect. We have an opportunity to see if society has a hold on us, what we can expect. And we have the opportunity to see if Satan is, if Jesus, the Savior, is the one who has a hold of us, what we can expect. So I want to point these things out to you, these little details of the story that make up um, the difference in the way each of each of them dealt with this gathering demoniac. So first, we see, the, we see what Satan does. Now, Satan is the one who allowed the demons to inhabit this man. And so it was as though, obviously, with as many demons as there were that Satan was the one that was in control of this man. And so, where did he live? He lived in the tombs. Now, the tombs is not a deluxe apartment. The tombs is holes in the mountain where they buried dead. It's, it's the place where they carried them up and and the only time they ever had anything to do with it was when they had to bury the next dead person, um, especially because this crazy guy lived out there. 
And he was frightening to everybody. They didn't want to go out there and see him and see, see uh, be attacked by him or any of that kind of thing. So he lived in the tombs. This is, now, this is the kind of life that Satan gives you, okay? Just, just imagine this. Just think about this. He lived in the tombs. An amazing thing was that he had supernatural strength. He was able to break those chains. He was able, he had the strength almost of Samson, you know, in breaking the chains, in breaking the shackles, in tearing the ropes apart, in all of those kinds of things. He had a supernatural strength for doing rough things. Third thing that I note about how Satan treated this guy was that he had him always crying out. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out. And this was full voice. It was the banshee scream. It was, it was whatever it was that would be scary and frightening to anybody in their right mind to see and to hear. And yet that's how this man went about his life regularly you could hear him in the mountains. Why? It was like listening to the coyotes and all of those other mean wild animals when they're out in the wild, the cougars screaming and, and so on. It was, it was like listening to all of that. That's the kind of grip that Satan had on this man. And the next thing that I note in this is that he was cutting himself. I guess he would find rock like flint rock and he would just go around, you know, cutting himself, his face everywhere on him, cutting himself. The next thing that I would note about him, it said that he was unclean. I don't think that just means that he didn't take a bath. It, it at least means that, but I think it means a lot more than that in terms of his, his speech and his actions and, and the way that he, he was. He was so controlled by Satan that there was nothing good that came out of his mouth, that there was no good action that he was involved in. There was nothing that, what, that had redeeming quality to it in his life. The next thing that we note is that he was naked. Now, in our society, it seems that many people are thinking more and more that it's more acceptable to, to be naked or practically naked out in public. But that's not the way God designed us because after the fall, God himself is the one who clothed the first couple. And so clothing is something that God felt was necessary for us in our lives. And yet here Satan has him running around naked all of the time. And then he was wild and destructive. The last two things that, I, that, that 
are reminders of us of how Satan had uh, his grip on this man. So, from these ideas, pictures of how Satan had driven this man into the wilderness to be this kind of a man, what kind of a picture should that give us of what Satan thinks about any of us? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And these principalities and and powers are under the rule of Satan, and Satan cares nothing for us. Satan it will use us to get back at God in any way he can. His battle is with God, but the battlefield is us. And the question is, are we going to let Satan have control in our lives, or are we going to switch bosses? Okay, after Satan... I said the next is society. Now, society is the genteel, the polite, the polite. You know, it's it's the it's the Mr. Manners and the Miss Manners and all of those kinds of things. That's what its society is supposed to be. Because society is that sometimes unwritten rule about how we are to live with and among other people around us. And society dictates sometimes where we live, how we live, what we drive, all of those kinds of things. All of the advertisements that we have on TV, what are they trying to do? They're trying to tell us how to live our lives and that we need their products to be able to live our lives to the best. This is what society does. It focuses us on the things of the world. It focuses uh, focuses us on the things that, that God has said when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount are things that we can expect God to give us if we will seek him first. So with this man, what were the things that society did with him? Now, he was a little rough around the edges, would you say? At least. And so you would expect that they might have a little different way of treating him than they were the common man on the street. Because as they, in the ways that society treated him, They put chains on him. They put shackles on him. He was an outcast. Those three things are are important for us to know because if, if we ever get crosswise with society, we too can quickly become outcasts. And if you will notice, there is more and more of a rub against 
what the Bible teaches as the way to live our lives. And there is more and more of an allowance for all that is ungodly and unholy in our world today. In other words, what seemingly has gripped society is not the Christians that are the salt and the light, but the rest of the world and their ideology and their actions and the things that they feel are important. What am I saying by all of this? Society is not to be trusted as the way for us to live our lives. Society will tell you, well, it's okay to have drugs available to people. It's okay to do this and that and the other and in all of the ways that they do it. Society left this man naked. They may have tried to clothe him, but he tore the clothes off, and so they just left him alone. Society left him not tamed, left him still possessed, left him doomed to destruction, and left the rest of the community afraid of him. That's what society did for him. Can we expect that society is going to give us the kind of life that we really need to have in our walk with the Lord and in our living in this world to make the full purpose and ministry that God has for our lives? And I submit to you that the answer is no. We can't trust Satan. And we can't trust society. We have to be careful every time we open our, our computers, every time we see some strange announcement on our phone, all of the different things because people are trying to get to us one way or another in all of these different And it is as though um, there is less and less control in all of these matters. So that's what society does. Now, for the good news, for what just turns my motor on, three words. For the Savior. He made this man calm. Can you imagine? The wild maniac that goes running around screaming everywhere. The one that, that doesn't know how to control his tongue or doesn't know how to control any other part of his body and just goes crazy wherever he is. And suddenly, in a moment, when Jesus speaks to him, just like the sea was after the storm. Does Jesus have that kind of power in our lives? 
we could go around this room and we could talk about how in the midst of some of the anxieties that we have had that we called on the Lord and in that moment God gave us peace. He gave us that calmness. He gave us that assurance. He gave us that strength that we needed to be able to handle the difficulties that were before us. The power of God is a great power. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we imagine or think because he's God. Here, this man that there was no hope for is sitting at the feet of Jesus, calm. The second word is clothed. This man that went around naked, this man that, that didn't, didn't have any kind of inhibitions or anything, is now sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's clothed. Now don't get off on the where did the clothes come from. It may be that Jesus knew that he was going to have an appointment on that day and he had made provision for that. We don't know exactly where the clothes came from, but the good news is he was clothed. And then the third thing is, as I say it, calm, clothed, and collected. He was rational. He was together. He could think real thoughts. He could, he could discern between right and wrong. He could, he could know what he should do and what he shouldn't do. Immediately when he was saved, He thought he needed to have Jesus in his life, so he wanted to go with Jesus wherever he went. But immediately Jesus knew there was no one who could impact that man's world like he could now that Jesus had changed him. And so Jesus said, I've got a work for you to do. I've got a ministry for you to do. And that ministry for this man was going back to his home and tell them the great things that God has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Now let me ask you. First of all, do you have the peace comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Are you clothed not only physically but spiritually in the Word of God and in the things of God? Have you put on that which is right and taken off that which is wrong and which dishonors God and, and causes Him concerns in your life?
an incredible story that makes it very clear the three choices of the force that can control us. Many unwittingly don't realize the power of society. Many others unwittingly don't understand what it means to play with Satan. And Satan will put them through the ringer because he doesn't care about them. Satan destroys. He doesn't build up. So we can know that he won't do what is good for us. Well, two thousand hogs gave their lives for one man. That's a bargain. What is the value of a soul? think much more than 2,000 pigs. So when people ask the question, why did Jesus allow the pigs to run down the hill and be drowned? Well, I think number one, he was demonstrating the value of a soul. I think number two, he wanted in particular that man who was the demoniac to realize how great the deliverance that God had given him through Jesus. And I think number three, he wanted to do that in order for him to be properly motivated for the ministry that Jesus had for him. All of us have been delivered from Satan if we're children of God. All of us should be delivered from society. And yet I discover as Christians that what has happened is we have become so ingrained, indoctrinated by the things of the world and the ways of the world that God continually has to work on us to make us more like. Jesus. And he's not going to quit. Thank God. He keeps on working in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus. And I have as yet to ever discover a time that God started something and didn't complete it. Hallelujah. What a God. So the question for you is, are you going to let society dictate to you how you're going to live your life? Are you going to let Satan even dictate to you how you're going to live your life? Or are you going to come to that point where you're sitting at the feet of Jesus? What a beautiful picture. At the feet of Jesus. Calm 
clothed. And in our right minds. Because we have the mind of Christ. May it be for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you thanking you for the privilege of being in this place tonight. We thank you for your presence with us and the way your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts through your word. And I pray, Father, that we will take to heart what you have for us through this passage and through this message, that you may get great glory from us in the days ahead as we surrender our all to Jesus, that we may remain calm in all circumstances and situations, reflecting the very presence of Jesus in our lives, that we may be clothed with all of the garments of holiness and righteousness and good, the garments of salvation, that again, you may get glory through us. And Father, that we will put aside any other mind than the mind of Christ and allow him to direct us in our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Okay. Thank you for listening. Um, you have bulletins. I can trust you, I think, to, to read those and pay attention to them. Anything that you have to say, or are you ready to go home? Okay. Thank you for being attentive, and thank you for the privilege of sharing with you this evening. My pleasure.